We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast, live on playback. Here with you, as always, with our man Tim, aka Cranjus Make Basketball. How you doing tonight, Tim? Tom, I'm excited. Uh, we're just another day closer. Only a couple days away from that draft. There have been so many players to dig into, and uh, that video just got me hyped, man. Just watching those guys, trying to see how they fit in. I'm, I'm really excited to talk some basketball. Excellent. All right, Tim. So today we are getting into some of those prospects like you, uh, you know, you threw me some some names, you know, and I went some some film digging today. So that was fun. Like you said in the the, the setup, like like for the tweet, like I, they have a type. It seems like uh, we're talking a lot of a lot of these movement shooters. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and actually, let me transition now over. I'll share my screen. And we could take a look at this because I think there are several high caliber movement shooters that they are interested in. Uh, but we also see a couple other role types stand out. So right now I'm sharing my screen. I've got a, we've got this big database of our LeBron data, our luck adjusted player estimate, box prior regularized on off, or basically our impact data at the college level. We've got it published at the pro level. We're going to have this at the college level. And we also have it calculated at the WNBA level. We'll be getting these published soon, free at B-Ball Index. Uh, but right now, a little sneak peek. I've shared this with a couple specific NBA teams. And I want to give you all a little insight into this as well. So what I did was I grabbed a great article from Silver Screen and Roll. Jacob Rood had compiled all of the players that the Lakers have worked out thus far. These are all the guys. There are like 50 or so players, 58 players. And for those 58 players, they interviewed a number of them. They had workouts with a number. For a couple guys, they had second workouts. And so that was interesting to me. I grabbed all of their LeBron data. You'll notice a couple of them are missing. That's because they were G League guys. If there were any international players, we don't have that yet calculated. But for all of the college players, we've got that. And then I also grabbed some information from uh, 
this great free shiny app, I can throw that link in the chat. Um, if folks are looking for this was some compiled uh, draft rankings from a different a bunch of different places to come up with like an average rank and a standard deviation as well as well as some other data and threw that in here as well and was able to to find some interesting things. So looking at the roles, we don't have quite the exact full offensive role repertoire at the college level that we do the NBA level because we don't have data on tracking who's initiating offense nor do we have data on movement shooting per se. We're still fine-tuning that, but we do have, so we just have ball handling, not primary, secondary ball handler. And then we have shooter. Uh, where is it? Shooter rather than mo uh, movement shooter, stationary shooter. But among all college players, here's how those roles broke down. And this is for 5,042 players. This is how their, their roles broke down. You see most players, they're, they're shooters. The blue rolls here, these are off-ball guards and wings. The green rolls, these are on-ball guards and wings. And then these uh, orange rolls, those are our bigs. And you'll see that at the NBA level, or I'm sorry, not the NBA level, the NCAA level, shooters, very common, post scores, very common, athletic finishers, very common. Among the players the Lakers were interested in, we can look at the numbers here. We see actually, so this is interesting because shooters, they're most common in college. They're most common among the Lakers targets. However, the pr proportion of the total Lakers sum is actually a little bit lower than, than the college overall. And actually, we see if we look at all of the off-ball guards and wings, that's one area that more than half of college players are in that. But among Lakers targets, they're only about 40%. So, you know, not a huge sample size. We're talking about 52 guys that we had roles on. But we do see the on-ball on guys be a bit more represented and even bigs a, a couple more than we'd expect. And this led into some of what we're going to look at today. One of the guys that we looked at, Jordan Hawkins, he's an off-screen shooter. And there were only two that the Lakers considered. I really like him. I think he'd be an interesting Beasley replacement. And we'll talk about him in a second. But he's one of the two guys in this bucket. Uh, if we look at Cason uh, Walls, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's in that ball handler role. And this is something that we see the Lakers. They've worked out more players than we would expect them to work out. Post scores. We saw quite a few post scores there in that intro. And if we filter down to those post scores, we can see Trish Jackson Davis, Sonogo from UConn, but Colin Castleton, Drew Timmy, uh, Tabellis. Uh, these two were guys that we saw there in the intro video. So a couple uh, types of players that we see the Lakers, you know, just overrepresented in who they're drafting. And actually like Castleton, he's more of a defensive player, not really the, the big offensive guy. And I think he'd translate more as a drop coverage big, but that was interesting to me. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of the Lakers looking to through this draft, whether it be with a draft pick or undrafted free agent, target some bigs and target some on ball guards and wings, which I, you know, maybe not the most, uh, maybe not would have expected that going into things. But when we look at who's on the Lakers team and who they might be bringing back, you know, they've, they've maybe have some of those positions figured out. We'll see. Uh, but that could tell us, you know, it gives us a little glimpse into, you know, I, there are 50, what, 50 guys, 58 guys they worked out. It's going to be hard for us to pinpoint which one or two they end up with, three or four total they may end up with with the undrafted free agents, or maybe if they make a trade. But I think if we look at who they're interested in, we can get a sense for the types of guys that they m might be looking after. So that's uh, the first thing I'd like to point out. Anything else here, Tom, that 
that you want to shout out here with this data. I, I haven't shown this to you yet. This is you know breaking here live. No, that's interesting. I think it makes sense based on you know the team wanting to bring back the depth, but also having flexibility around Bamba and Beasley, which is two. You know, I think the worst case scenario they could come back, but I think they're looking to upgrade at those positions as well. Um, mm -hmm. Partially, maybe even using the 17 pick, right? So we'll find that out on Thursday. But you know, I saw Jovan uh, Buha reported that it looks like they're more increasingly likely to trade the pick. Um, but he did project, um, who is it, Lively the second to them at 17, which would be, um, which would be a, another big, right? That's that's another big mm -hmm. defensive guy, versatile, but is ultimately going to, you know, play defense and rebound. And you know, it's it's interesting that they're they're looking to go that way. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And it's interesting that he called out Lively because that's not one of the players on the list that they even worked out. But you you never know. You never know if teams you know they've seen enough film, they know what they got in a guy, and they don't want to you know uh, show their hand too early. But something that I also thought, building off of what you just mentioned with trading the pick versus keeping the pick, is at least based on all of these different places. Box and One, Bleacher Report, ESPN, The Ringer, NBA Draft.net, No Ceilings, Tankathon, all these different places that have mock drafted players or forecasted where they think players are going to go. If we look at that average pick and we look at the standard deviation of those, we can calculate how likely is it that a player is available at pick 17. And here's what that looks like. Wow. These are all the players the Lakers worked out. And the numbers these aren't available for are guys that weren't in the top 75 that were included in this data set, we see a lot of those guys. This right here tells me the Lakers are looking at dude, they are casting a wide net when it comes right. to figuring out those undrafted free agents. They're looking for the diamonds in the rough. They're putting in the work. And when we scroll over here, look at the LeBron values for these guys. These are really good, hmm. really good, really good players at the college level at the very least. And then the other thing that stands out to me is, all right, among all these players we worked out, and this list may not be comprehensive, this is just what was reported. Look how few of them wouldn't likely be available. It's only a couple guys. And yep. this, I have, I have a feeling here, Tom, that this might tell us that the Lakers are indeed planning to, or at the very least, want to trade this pick. If this 17 turns into, I don't know, let's say 25. Most of these guys are still available. Mm -hmm. If it turns into 35. Again, a lot of these guys are still available. So if they're able to trade that 17 pick for a couple picks in the 20s or the early 30s, they may still very well be able to draft a lot of the guys they're looking at. So this, you know, if you see them trade the pick, and try to trade down for additional picks slightly below that, I don't think that should come as a surprise because right now they're doing the work to, to find those dudes. And so that's really interesting to me. If you look at guys that would be available at 47, it's about half this list, maybe a little less than half this list, but then all of these guys as well. So from a keep the pick versus trade the pick standpoint, who they're interested in certainly I think may – uh show their hand just a little bit but i don't know it's it's tricky man i it this is such a an interesting time of year because this is so many players 
And we have no idea. Maybe they worked out a bunch of guys. They don't have any interest in them or little interest in them or just doing their due diligence. But there's a, uh, I don't know. I think this might tell us something. Is this, you think this is something you think this is nothing? I think it's, I think it's great. No, I think it's something. And it's, it's a part of like you, how great you are at, at visualizing some of the data to show how they do their due diligence and prepare for all contingencies, I guess. Right. Like you want to be prepared for, if a guy you like, but you don't think he's going to be there, you have to go through the motions, right? Try to bring him in for a workout if he's even willing to come. But also to have, like, I think the Lakers are going to come out of this draft with three or four prospects, maybe two or three, but I think it'll be three or four, you know, a couple undrafted guys in the picks or just three undrafted guys because that's what they've been good at, um, finding those mm-hmm. diamonds in the rough lately. So I think this is a big year uh, as far as the cap and them wanting to bring guys back, them bringing in a lot of money, but in broken up pieces for Russell Westbrook. Um, and it's, they're still going to want to, you know, spend, but save. That's the, the, the false dichotomy that they're in, but this is actually not the worst plan because this is leaning into their strength of, uh, of those undrafted guys. And maybe you can develop them for, you know, for April and May, but, um, more for a long-term cheap plays, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like if they are, if they truly do have an edge when it comes to scouting, drafting or signing undrafted free agent players, as we've seen them be so good at over the, this recent history with the team, lean into that. And this, I think this would be leaning into that. It's trying to get as many, give that team as many opportunities as you can to continue to grab good players because they're so cheap, uh, these guys on these rookie contracts, compared to if you're trying to grab a guy in free agency. So if you can grab a Jordan Hawkins, who I think we can transition to next, and he can be a legitimate off-screen shooter. He's clean, man. You know, he, he's, yeah. he's free, basically, compared to trying to bring back uh, Malik Beasley or try to go sign another guy to be an off-screen shooter. So, th- you know, that, or if you're just looking for a big man on the market and you need a big, you know, a good drop big, you can go grab a guy like Castleton, who was, I think, what was it, 12th? Let me find him on here. Uh, I think it's some up a little bit. Castleton ranked 14th among all college players this year. All, about, out of like 5,000 guys, he ranked 14th wow. in defensive impact. Trace Jackson Davis was 21st. These are These are guys that are, you know, really solid defensive players that, again, would be undrafted free agents or late second round picks. And I'm not guaranteeing that they'll be that at the NBA level, but if you're going to bet on somebody, you know, immediately contributing or contributing soon, and you can find a guy that immediately has some, you know, this guy's a really good drop big that can defend the rim, go grab him for free and have that as a two-way player, have that as your 15th man and try to lean into some of that upside potentially. So I don't know, it can be a tricky, you know, bad situation picking in the, the forties, the fifties, but if you're the Lakers, you don't feel so bad just because how of how good they've been recently with these picks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And it's interesting. I think the thing that surprised me the most out of what you brought up is the ball handlers part, Um, just because I feel like you know, they've got LeBron. They do have D'Angelo Russell for now. You know, we'll see if they bring him back. Austin Reeves. It doesn't seem to be, you know, I don't disagree with it, but it's interesting that they're uh, maybe planning for the next guy on a cheaper contract too. That's that's another kind of forward-looking thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've looked into about double the amount of players that we would expect them to have looked into based on how those frequencies work out. And if we're just to go in here and filter down to those players, just to give you all a sense of who they're looking at, here's some of those guys. Tiger Campbell, if you're uh, in L.A., you're, you're probably familiar with that name. Isaiah Wong, very, very good, has made a couple of deep March Madness runs. Casey Wallace, very talented. Um, Jamarius Burton, like some really solid players that some of these guys do make sense to immediately translate. And it's like, oh, wow, this guy's a floor general. This guy reads the floor real well. or This guy can crush the rim. And to your point, though, Tom, you know, you, you do have some good ball handling on this team. You do have LeBron James, but this could be part of the uh, long-term strategy of, you know, you know, get guys that can help now, but then also as you perhaps transition away from LeBron and or AD and or D'Lo uh, a couple of years from now, as their contracts end and they go other places or they retire, whatever it happens to be, having you know, more ball handling just in the system, I think makes sense as well. So you never want to just stop. And I I do think as LeBron's aging, we're going to see him transition more to high post, mid post, low post play and using, you know, his body more for its force and strength starting from the interior compared to trying to beat guys from the exterior as a, as a pick and roll player. We saw that a bit in the playoffs with him hampered by the, the injury, uh, you know, playing hurt, but hopefully he's able to get that burst back. But, I do still think that gives us a little glimpse into what old man LeBron would look like from a style of play standpoint. And that's why I, I don't know. I, I was also actually surprised to see this, but the more I think about it, the more I can make it make sense. 
it's like we've been asking for i don't know i've been asking for this for i think a season or two now just because i can see it you know you want to to ease in the ease the burden as time goes on but i think they're realizing it you know him getting hurt around the same time every year um having to put the team on his back because other guys are hurt you know it's mm-hmm. it's a lot um and it's not something that russell westbrook could have helped us with even though that's what they thought um yeah so tim we did another 15 on the draft um we're trying to keep these to a tight 30 we also had a major blockbuster nba trade this weekend um i don't know if you want to transition or let's talk jordan hawkins a little bit because he was an interesting guy um yeah we're doing this live quick we are doing this live and we're trying to stick to a time budget so knowing (laughs) us you know it would be a little tricky jordan hawkins one thing i just really quickly want to point out his off-screen shooting this is the most common thing he did this season not you know, among some secondary play types, among all play types. Off-screen shooting, he shot 42% on his threes off-screens and only 62% of his off-screen attempts were threes. So he was catching and attacking as well. It wasn't just catching. If you have a shot, great. If not, nothing. Those are the guys that can be good, but if you're able to sell out on those threes, can get problematic because they're just not able to get shots up. He'll be able to read the defense and attack off the dribble and was very effective and if we look just from a points per game standpoint, was scoring 4.2 points per game. This is second among all college players, among thousands of guys. Oh, for here, we've got 1,100 guys who had more than 10 off-screen possessions uh, total on the year. So he's really the best of the best just about when it comes to that off-screen shooting. So if they were to grab him, it could make sense as a – uh, investment in additional off-screen shooting, which I think made a lot of sense and was useful in the Lakers' half-court offense, but do so in a way that you know you're building with some youth and you don't necessarily need to spend eight million dollars on Malik Beasley, which we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. But to your point, Tom, the Suns made a trade. The Suns have uh, made a deal. They've gone. They've they grabbed did. Bradley Beal. Uh, I don't have the exact details of the trade pulled up in front well, of me. That that's because. Deal. The details have not officially been announced yet because it sounds like, well, for one, the structure that it was agreed to, essentially it was Chris Paul and Landry Shamit um, for Beal. Sounds like Goodwin and Todd will be thrown in there as well uh, with some picks and pick swaps. But um, essentially, you know, they build their big three. They're going to have a couple of options there. Uh, coming back uh, for depth, they're going to have some guys they can bring back on bird rights. Do you think this is the team to beat, Tim? Does that three superstars they put together separate them in the West? It's a it's going to be a real tough team to beat, that's for sure. And I, you know, Bradley Beal, he's been kind of out of sight, out of mind in Washington for a bit, but he was really, really good this year and in previous years. Really solid player. And has a ton of gravity, tons of opportunity, usually really good shooter on real tough shots, really good three-point shooter, really good mid-range shooter, really good at the rim. In this part here, the rim shot creation, the A grade for him, and even if we compare him to other shot creators and primary ball handlers, is quite solid. This is an element that he brings to the table that with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, the Suns had been missing, which is that, you know, they've got great individual players but none of those three guys were real good at getting to the rim, at least compared to other on-ball scorers. And he still has that. He gets there well. He shoots well once he's there. And that's an element that I think had been missing. In addition to that, 
he is a very good mid-range shooter, but that ability to pressure the rim, I think, is important. Something, though, that stands out to me is, all right, we got a guard, we've got a bigger guard, and we've got, like, a wing big tweener. What actions do you run together with these guys? When you've got Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, you can run ball screens. And if you switch that, you've got some big mismatches. If you run it, well, like, what can you run for a Bradley Beal, Devin Booker action. I don't know what it is. The defense will just switch it. It's like a, it's that's been Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's problem with Boston. You defend them with similarly sized guys. And that's been to an extent part of the Lakers' issues with LeBron and AD at times based on how teams defend them is they'll just switch ball screens because they've got a wing and a big. Having a big and a guard, I think, is most effective there. KD isn't quite that roll man, roll gravity type of attacker. So even like a Booker Durant ball screen, you could probably switch. A Beal Durant ball screen, you maybe switch. And all right, Kevin Durant against a, a, a point guard, he's not getting to the rim all that well. Uh, but Bradley Beal against the Kevin Durant, you know, maybe wing stopper defender, eh, also not the biggest mismatch. So to me, that's a limiting factor that you're always going to have just based on the positions at play in a setup like this. That's why I think keeping DeAndre Ayton, or if not DeAndre Ayton, having someone that's able to be an effective role man would be really important for this team because these three yeah. on their own, I think they're very good and you can, you know, they could take turns, you can stack, you know, waves of attacks, but you need them to be able to work together in addition to that. And that to me is the one big concern I have. I think the other concern that people have and rightfully so has to do with like, all right, how can you construct, you know, how are we going to keep this team together? And just with these Four guys, if you keep Aiden, you're at $163 million. Luxury tax is at 162. You're already above that. Second apron's at 179.5. If we just have a bunch of minimum contract guys along with them, we're already way past that. So this will be a second apron team. Because of that, they will have no mid-level exception. They weren't, they're not going to have that five mil taxpayer MLE that the Lakers likely will and many other teams likely will there's no chance in hell they're going to have the full non-taxpayer MLE of like what 12 and a half million they're going to have to be able to build through minimum contracts vet mins and keeping their guys and what stands out to me here is you know looking at these three Lee they should be able to retain Warren they may be able to retain they can't offer these guys much more from a raise standpoint they can offer I believe one a forty percent raise, so they can offer about two point eight million to each of these three with the changes in the CBA. Apparently, you can offer one forty instead of one twenty for these vet men raises. For Josh Chikogi, that's going to be a problem because Chikogi, and again, this is uh, pulling some data here from B-Ball Index. I've got this in a spreadsheet. We were using this for our project Ghostbusters uh, Phoenix. When we look at Josh Chikogi. He generated $8 million worth of value this year from his play. So him taking only three mil or two mil, that's probably not going to fly. So he's probably out of here. But these two, you could probably keep Landell and Biombo. Again, you're going to be operating, you're going to be paying a lot of tax money regardless. But these two guys, you have their early bird rights. And Landell's an, a restricted free agent. So these are two guys you can hang on to. If you look at their value add, we've got six mil for Landale. And Biombo for four and a half million dollars or so. So, you know, pretty solid. Those are good backup bigs. Do you need to be paying more than the men on your third string big man? If you want to trade Aiden, having two guys that are okay is useful, but Aiden's 
should be much better than them. He was not very good last year. Campaign should be able to keep him, guarantee his money. And then Tory Craig, Baisley, you have their early bird rights as well. So you should be able to hang on to them, most likely, given the, the caliber of players they are. So I don't know. Looking at this team, I'm not like, oh, no, they're going to have to get rid of everybody and only have mins. They should be able to keep just about everybody. And then they should be the premier destination for vet men ring chasers because this still isn't a very deep team. If you're running back a not deep team, you're still not deep. But they have, you know, it's not like they're going to have four or five guys and then absolutely nobody. I think you've got some players here, but I still think the depth is going to be an issue. And I, I don't know. I see this as a top four seed. I like the coaching moves they made. I think they've upgraded from one of the worst defensive coaches in the league to one of the best defensive coaches in the league, going from Monty Williams to Frank Vogel. They've retained one of the best offensive coordinators in the league in Kevin Young, and he'll have a full offseason to reinstall like real sets and good stuff like they used to run prior to making the Kevin Durant trade where they dumb things down because they just didn't have time to have the guys you know run through everything and, and get familiar with it. And Maybe they should have, but they decided not to. And I think that ultimately helped do them in. But I think this should be a very well-coached team next year that has some really, really good players. And then it comes down to how good is the depth and how good is DeAndre Ayton? Because we've seen not very good DeAndre Ayton. And we've seen DeAndre Ayton that, you know, maybe you could argue he wasn't worth the max, but he was still worth a lot of money a couple of seasons ago when he with his play in the regular season and then the playoffs heading into uh, the Suns making it to the finals. So those are some of the things that I'm mm-hmm. I'm seeing when I look at this team. Look, it's, it's already hard enough to guard a team with two wings, like scoring wings like that. To have three is kind of easy mode, at least for for the regular season. Think about just like being able to get the guy you know you want to get on one of these guys. He's probably going to start the game on him, like if they're healthy and start every game together, which you know won't happen. But if they're healthy enough. It's just so much offensive firepower around like a coach with a competent defensive scheme who can, you know, coach up players, hopefully uh, above their individual skill. Um, And, and the offense is kind of, it's going to be kind of your turn, my turn, but Hooker is going to take on more of a a playmaking role. Um, It sounds like Chris Paul is probably going to be rerouted to the Clippers, which is why, you know, that deal hasn't been finalized, but you know, I'm I'm mostly anti Chris Paul, like unless it's the vet man. And I'm glad here it sounds like the Lakers uh, feel the same. But Tim, um, what else do we have here uh, left over on our on our Tuesday stream? We got a Thursday draft show. We're going to do at 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. So we'll be live for the draft. We'll figure out something. Maybe we'll stream like the ESPN ticker or something. But we'll be hanging out watching it together at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we might actually have some good news on it being available at least i believe nba tv will be viewable for oh, right. for folks yes. yeah or yes. uh if you are logged into your league pass uh and it it counts you as being someone who's you know your your ip address as your international you'll be able to watch along with us as well so we'll i guess think through and strategize but we for sure will have some draft coverage and we'll you know as soon as we figure out who the lakers have we'll be in there digging into the data digging into the film giving you the best analysis we can um, for the rest of today, one last thing here on Phoenix. I'll try to be quick. I get the case for trading Aiden. Here's the case for keeping him. He was awesome in 2020, 2021. 
the data shows it. The film showed it. He was really good in that regular season. He was part of the reason they made it to the finals. He did all the little things, which is what you need him to do on this team, from screening, finishing, rebounding. He took on tough matchups. He was super versatile. He had the second best pick and roll drop defense for any big and was first in terms of defending dribble handoffs and drop. Second best post defense, first in mobile coverages among bigs, second uh, in mobile coverages among bigs for dribble handoffs, third most points saved on help defense with the fourth best disruption, third best suppression and second highest activity, 97th percentile role man scoring impact. Like he had really good screen contact percentages. Like he was what this team needs him to be. It's going to be a matter of can Frank Vogel get him to that place? And I think the fresh voice, the better scheme gives him the best opportunities had since, since that year. Cause I think he was a little disillusioned as things didn't go his way from a role standpoint. But I, I think with this trade, you maybe reset expectations. You get a new fresh voice in there and you can try to get him to buy into a role, make him a star in his role, which was something Frank Vogel did such a good job messaging with and was able to get the Lakers to buy into with that title team. So that's Phoenix. We're talking about the Lakers next. And I That's this right. is the Lakers cap sheet. Uh, we've got a Malik Beasley team option. Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt. These guys are non-guaranteed deals. Bando's 300000 guaranteed. And then we've got some free agents. Lonnie, Reeves, D'Lo, Rui, Shaq Harrison. Uh, he is non-guaranteed. Wendy Gabriel, he's a free agent. So I, I want him that color. You've got some rights on guys. Oh, and then we've got Dennis in there as well. Uh with how I have this set up, we could see, oh, if we want to use the biannual, biannual exception, we're hard, hard capped at this level and we're $12.5 million over, over. So we need to cut some, some cash. The Lakers can take a couple of different routes to try to build this team. One of them, and the reason we had Fred Van Vliet in the intro video, was they could try to sign and trade him. Why sign and trade instead of sign him? Well, if we replace all of these with minimum contracts, we still only end up with $21 million below the cap. So you don't really, you probably don't have enough money to actually sign him. If you were to try to sign and trade, what would that look like? I, maybe D'Lo? You sign D'Lo to a bunch of money. They send Fred, Fred Van Vliet to a bunch of money. And then you trade D'Lo and who for Van Vliet. You need both teams plus both players to be bought into that. And I don't know that it's necessarily an upgrade. And then a key thing that a signing trade, if you're the receiving team, does to you is you are then hard capped at the first apron. And this limits how much money the Lakers can spend. There's now a second apron. You're incentivized to stay below it, but that first apron is even more limiting. And if we do say, I don't know, if we give 25 million, that's 250 million. <laughs> if we give them 25 mil, we then need to start cutting salary elsewhere. And, you know, it, it gets tricky. So, I say this not to say I'm all for Fred Van Vliet. I want to tell you that's a really tricky route to go. From a money standpoint, that really makes things difficult. Now, if you could try to drop Malik Beasley's money, instead of opting in on the team side to that one year, eight mil, maybe you're able to get him at, I don't know, three years at six mil a year or five mil a year and then drop this number down. And that gives you a little bit more room to work with. Mo Bamba someone that, He's a style of player that should make sense. And he's probably a player that'll be movable at this contract. But if you cut him, that gives you cash. Vanderbilt, you probably keep at this this cost. Reeves, with 
what the Gilbert Arenas rule would look like if the Lakers were to sign him to this big four-year deal. It would be 11, 12 million the first couple of years, and then it would really jump up the last couple of years. This is that THT poison pill contract looking thing. And so for the first year, though, not a huge deal. But what really stands out to me is I'm trying to build this team around. And, you know, hey, if we want to use the non-taxpayer MLE, again, we're hard capped here. We need to cut $17 million. So if we don't sign Dilo, oh, great, we're there. Um, is Dilo, Rui, yeah, Dilo and Rui. These are the two guys that how much money you sign them for really matters. Because if Rui wants $18 million and Dilo wants $25 million, and that's the best you're able to do. Crap, we're now over that second apron. That means we can't use this MLE. We need this to be a min instead. And then, you know, then we're okay. We're going to be over that, but, you know, that loses you a, a potential quality player. So being able to keep ELO down 20 or under, and if you're able to get Rui back, around its cap hold or less, I think that gives you a bit more flexibility. Now, Lonnie Walker, I don't think he's worth this. They maybe bring him back on a min or so, or they just replace him. That opens up a bit more space. Shaq Harrison, non-guaranteed. This is salary ballast. You could look to trade or, you know, you cut him, you replace him with a min. You don't save all that much money. Um, you could, if you wanted to, look to use the biannual exception. But if you use that, again, this first apron matters. So if you can cut Mo Bamba, use your taxpayer MLE and the biannual exception, bring these guys back at this much, lower Lonnie's money. Okay, now we've got both of these exceptions we can potentially use, if I'm understanding the CBA correctly. And we're still underneath that, that ceiling. But something to keep in mind with that is if you are hard capped, you're hard capped for the whole year. So we can't, during the middle of the season, go above that. We're going to dig into more specifics, I think, after the draft. But this try, just you know, just trying to set the stage, signing trades are real tough. And if you want to try to use the full MLE, you're probably going to be losing out on Rui and or Dila. And if these two guys make too much money, that limits your ability, you know, ability to do other things. So I need the team to be looking into negotiating these two contracts real well. You can't throw you know, just everything at them. Uh, retain Reeves, whatever you got to do to me. And then Beasley and Baba, these are two guys that I think from a trade standpoint, potentially with your draft pick for other players, could make some sense. So again, just setting the stage, we can dig into specifics more later, but wanted to just lay out a couple of general paths. If you try to get rid of everybody, then yeah, you can sign and trade, but I don't know if that makes all that much sense. So that's what I got, Tom. Uh, that's great, man. You got you know, some more video content for the folks who jumped in late, right? Yes, uh, we're going to replay the video from the top here at the end. Uh, we will post this as pod and a video tomorrow. Um, but yeah, just thank you guys for joining us on Playback. Uh, we're doing this Monday, Tuesday, Thursday at 6 Pacific uh, every week. So come back. We'll do the draft uh, on Thursday at 5. So maybe we can tinker more with contracts because, yeah, Tim, I think what we talked about today was great with um, the shooters, the bigs in the draft. If one or both of Beasley and uh, Bamba can get replaced and they feel like, you know, not that they're getting replaced in the rotation, but maybe they get a little bit more flexibility in the cap to get somebody they didn't think was available. Um, mm -hmm. I think they have a lot, a lot of uh, 
different paths in this. And the first domino to fall is the draft. So we'll be here on Thursday for that, Tim. Um, but until next time, folks, thank you for joining us. Yep. And to continue the conversation, uh, join our Discord, DM me, Tom, or the Lakers X Pod Twitter account, a five-star review of the pod, and you'll be able to jump in there. We've got a whole bunch of great conversation in there, various levels of access and coverage. And uh, once you're in there, you know, there's a lot of cool extra content. Want to shout out friends of the pod, uh, Court Prowess for rocking out with the arena sponsorship, as well to as well as to TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdulrahman, Keneal Mason, Doppel, and Romario, all for living the high life with us in the owner's box, as well as to the courtside and lower bowl crews. If you want to learn about each of those and what they entail, check out the link Johnny just posted in the chat. And we'll we'll post this in the YouTube video description as well. And you know, if you ever want, if you ever want to find that link, just go to my bio on Twitter, click on that there, Tim underscore MBA on Twitter, and you'll be able to uh, learn a bit more. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to y'all later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.